I don't know if you guys think that watching another person open mail is that interesting. I don't normally do that. I, I, I have other things to do than just sit around and watch someone open mail. But for some reason, I was kind of in veg mode, and so I was just watching her open her mail. And she received this one envelope, and she ripped it open. And there was a check for $25,000. Who's that from? Uh, father died. And the father wanted to leave twenty-five grand to a Christian organization. So, so here is a very generous offering from someone that I've never met before. And yet at the same time, I'm there watching Nancy open her mail, wondering, why is this happening? And I feel at that moment, it was kind of like the Lord was bringing that verse to mind. And my God will supply your every need according to the riches in Jesus Christ. It's almost like I was imagining God saying, you know, Christian layman has been faithful with the money that I've entrusted to her. So you know what I'm doing? I'm giving you more money. You've been faithful. Here's more. Put it to work for the kingdom. So I think that's the word that God wants me to pass on to you guys. You guys, in these past three years, we've made some breakthroughs. We've been generous with our money. It's like God saying, you're doing a great job with my money. Here's some more. Put it to good work. He's going to supply our every need. So that's a little bit of encouragement, the first story among many that we're going to be sharing this morning, to encourage you and say, keep on going, church. Keep on going. God's with us in this. Well, good morning again. It's good to see all of you. Today is Celebration Sunday, so we have a lot to celebrate about, and I'm going to tell some stories that may help us to be uh, in that kind of a mood. But as Pastor Andrew said, today is the culmination of our generosity campaign that started three years ago. Back in 2012, we decided to return to the kingdom some money that we have already received and to also encourage you folks to be more generous in your giving. And we came up that only to be generous, we would have to be able to live simply, to kind of look at ourselves, examine how we spend our money, how we um, use our resources, and, and rethink it, and to be a little bit more simpler in our lifestyles, to be able then to release funds so that it could be maximized in the kingdom of God. Well, today is the final message of the three-year sermon series, and so it's kind of exciting to come to an end and just kind of look back and see where we've been. Because I know some of you may not have been with us throughout that whole journey. And it's been an amazing journey that we've traveled these past three years. And so I have some slides that, that I'm going to show you to help us to review where we've been and where we're actually going to be heading in this current year. Because we're not quite done with our giving. In the first year, we had a, a plan that we wanted to partner with four particular organizations around the theme of developing new leaders. And so the, one of them was Smoky Mountain, which is in the Philippines, and it's with a, a, an organization with Father Ben where we uh, support children who, who live their entire lives practically at a garbage dump. And then Father Ben takes them out of that environment and helps uh, educate them, gives them an education, and many of them now are going to college. And we support that organization with... Uh, $10,000. And then with another $10,000, we, we uh, donated to InterVarsity Christian Fellowship here in Berkeley. 
a college ministry, campus ministry, and we gave them $10,000. Another group was Arms of Love, who, who takes orphans, and they foster care them in Nicaragua and, and in the Philippines. And then we also support a group that uh, grows leaders in the house churches in China with salt. And then we, had, we started this new concept of having a matching fund where the church up to $10,000 would match your giving to other organizations that you chose on your own. And so that, that first year was just the beginning of where we were developing this concept of living simply and then giving generously as a result of that. We gave away $60,000. And I think one of the things that we were all going through was that curriculum that uh, Dr. Gary Vanderpoel allowed us to use uh, to, to learn about poverty and social justice in the world. And I think one of my favorite stories was when one of the home group leaders actually challenged a lot of us to be able to um, make meals on $2 per person for a dinner. And I know a lot of you participated, and that was a fun activity to find out where many people in the world actually live on just $2 a day. And then for us, that's not very a common occurrence, but it was a good exercise for all of us to experience and realize how blessed we are to be living in a pretty wealthy country. In year two, our theme was about urban community, partnering with organizations that, that worked in urban settings. And we had World Impact in San Francisco and, and West Oakland with Living Hope Neighborhood Church in Richmond, which we've been partnering in the last few years, in particular with the eye screenings. And then we also partner with New Day for Children, which is helping um, getting kids, young teens, out of the sex trafficking, human trafficking that's occurring throughout the world, and especially in the United States. And another group that we, we partnered with was um, Mexican Caravan Ministries, where we've often partnered during Thanksgiving time period in building homes down in Tijuana. And then this particular, in the second year, we, we made a challenge for all the home groups to think about how they could accumulate and gather their resources to, and, and donate to a particular group that they've chosen. And so the enthusiasm for that uh, activity was so great, we, we had a $10,000 uh, matching fund that it was surpassed by one particular home group. So that, to be fair to all of our home groups that have an opportunity to, to participate, we, we uh, as the pastoral staff and, and the board of directors, decided to increase the matching fund to 40000 that year. So in year two, in 2013, we essentially gave away $120,000. Because out of the 40000 that we matched, you folks matched it with forty, so that's eighty. And then with the 10 from the other four organizations, that comes to a total of $120,000 through this campaign. And then this year, our theme for 2014 is to partner with groups that are uh, devoted to the basic needs. And in the last few weeks, if you've been here, you've ha- we've had great sharing from those organizations, from his foundation in China with Dr. James Lau, who is talking about the wheelchairs and the, and the surgeries that, that they do for children, for disabilities there. And then we had this, um, Seda Andrews, who talked about pure and clean water with, uh, in, with the organization Life Water, who has uh, work done throughout like, 40 countries in the world. 
And then we had uh, Jonathan Sinkai, who came and, and talked about city team ministries in San Francisco, which uh, work with homeless folks in the San Francisco area. And then with those groups, we've, again, given them $10,000. And then we, this year, will have another $10,000 matching fund. And so potentially we will have about $50,000 given away this particular year. One thing that's unique this year, there's a $10,000, and I don't know if it's been promoted as well, but we have $10,000 reserved this year for individuals, home groups, to explore avenues of how they can partner with um, any of these particular organizations that we've supported in the last three years in, in actually going out to the mission field with them. Or if there's other particular groups that, that you have favor with and you're interested in participating with, the church has, uh, has reserved $10,000 to help you in, in those efforts to go into the field or go to conferences or to uh, support a, a, a missionary overseas with care packages. That $10,000 there is for that purpose and uh, to support it, to match it, and partner with you folks. So that's something to think about, something that's available and for you to use. So essentially, as a result of this past three, that's almost past three years, that's almost a quarter of a million dollars that our church has, has decided to be generous with. That's a significant amount of money to do, to give away. And as Pastor Andrew shared that story, it's kind of curious to me, I kind of interested in numbers, that we get a $25,000 check back from God, from an anonymous donor, that matches almost the $250,000 that we were giving away. So it's not always just coincidence that these things happen. I think God looks down and says, good and faithful servants, you are doing things that are, that are part of my heart and my mission in the world. And, and you have to realize our church is generous in other ways is that this is giving that's on top of other giving. I don't know if all of you remember or, or know in our annual meeting we'll go through our budget, but many years ago we decided as a church that we will tithe upon our tithe into the mission field. That about 10% of our budget is devoted to mission and to mission mission work. So every year we give anywhere from fifty to seventy thousand dollars, which is reserved just for uh, mission organizations and missionaries, campus ministries, urban and global, here and overseas, um, in that way. Now there are definitely something uh, to be happy and to celebrate. You know, these monies that we give away is a generous amount and. And it is something to celebrate. There are many reasons why we decide to, to dig deep into our pockets to give money away. We all have our reasons to do it. Some of them are good and noble. But unfortunately, some reasons are not so good. As true followers of Jesus Christ, the most important motivation to give away money is that we love God and Jesus. And we love because he loved us first. Generosity to others is an expression of our worship to God. Worship is what Christians do. Matter of fact, when we get to heaven, that's the only thing we'll be doing, and that's worshiping the Most High. Every Sunday, we gather for many purposes, but the primary reason we come on Sundays is to worship together, 
And I know a lot of times we come here and a big segment of our, our worship services often is the sermon or the message. And, and sometimes that becomes too much of a focus and I sometimes believe that can be actually a distraction. We come to worship services to worship God. It's actually participatory. It's not spectator. When often you entered into these doors, do you come with that attitude to worship? Do you come to see the, the, the God that loves you, created you, and empowered you? We gather for that particular reason, to worship God. And what does that look like? And today, sometimes I think ever so often we need a reminder of what worship is supposed to look like. And whenever we want to look at counsel, whenever we want to look at instruction, for me, the best place to go is to look into God's word. This morning, I want us to turn to Psalm 100. Psalm 100 gives us instruction as to what worship should be like. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me. I will go ahead and read these verses for you. Psalm 100 is an invitation to enter joyfully into God's presence. And it's important to also note, it is to enter in God's presence as a community and then to praise him publicly. Beginning with verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. We worship. We worship God because God is worthy. God is worthy of our worship because of who he is. And in this psalm, Psalm 100, it tells us six attributes of God that makes him worthy. From verse 3, it tells us he is creator. God made all of the earth. He made all of the world. He created you and I and all of nature. He knew us before we were even knit in a mother's womb. He is master. God owns us. He is our boss. He he has made us his people, and we are his servants. Psalm 100, verse 3 also says, He is our great shepherd, and a shepherd protects his flock. He provides for his sheep. He guides them. He feeds them. From verse 5 in Psalm 100, more attributes. God is good. There is no bad. There is no evil in God. He is love. And that love is eternal. And that love endures forever. It's unconditional. God is faithful. God has been and will be trustworthy throughout the ages. And if we look at our history at Christian Lehman Church, God has been been faithful for us over the last 92 years. 
there are many times where we cannot outgive God. Whenever we've taken a risk and wondered where the resources will come, God's people, through their faithfulness, have been able to provide. Now, I am sure of all these attributes, that God is good, God is love, God is faithful. I am sure that he is my creator, that he is my master, and he is my shepherd. The reason why I am assured of that is because I've experienced it in my own life. And that is probably the only thing that will convince anyone is your own experience of God. No logic, no rationale, no words on a written piece of paper will convince you. The only thing that will convince you is a real living experience with a God that, that knows you and loves you and cares for you. And I can testify to that, that he has been good to me, that he has brought peace to me in times of trouble. When I have needed things, he has provided. And he has also corrected me and rebuked me when I needed discipline. If you have not experienced this for yourselves, if you have doubt, if you have felt you've been hurt by God, I know and I can understand that these attributes of God may be foreign to you. Then my only thing is I challenge you to ask God directly, to ask him, show these six six attributes, any of these six attributes to you. Ask him to be good to you. Ask him to be faithful to you. Ask him to love you. If he is the creator, show through creation some sort of experience that he is creator. If he is your master, if he is the master, show that, that he will be your master in some part of your life. And if he is a great shepherd, that he will protect you, provide for you, feed you in some particular way that would demonstrate his power. Because the scripture does clearly say, ask and you shall receive. So that's a test. Challenge him. I do it all the time. I, I, I did it when I was a, a young, seeking Christian. I made deals with God. Because for me, that was the only way I could understand if this is truly, truly God. And time after time, God has provided or answered me. And so I throw that out to you too. Challenge him. Ask him. And he will answer. Because when, when you know and experience these attributes, which is very important, it is normative, it is natural, it is automatic that you will worship. The response to the goodness of God, the love of God, the faithfulness of God, is to turn to him and to worship him. And and I bring this up because all of our generosity, the end result looks like these numbers. But the scripture is clear that they don't mean anything to God if they're not given with the true motivation of worship. 
certainly God can use it. He can use whatever he wants for good. But for our sake, generosity without the right motivation is useless. And so it's clear that the proper motivation for anything that we do on behalf of God is out of a response for him to the love that he has given to us. It's not out of guilt. It's, it's not going to be out of obligation. Not even out of responsibility. But it, true motivation should be a response to God's love as a form of our worship. Psalm 100 is an invitation to come into the presence of God with a proper attitude. And verses 1 and 2 tells us to come in a certain way of responding. And as we we designated today a celebration Sunday, and what often do we do when we celebrate? When you do them at football games, when you do them at birthday parties, anniversaries, just parties that, for no reason at all, you make a lot of noise. And here, in church, in the temple of God, in the sanctuary, as we come to worship, there's an expectation from Psalm 100 that says, we are to make a joyful noise. Verse 1 and 2 says, we are to shout with joy. We are to worship with gladness. And we are to sing joyful songs. If we just take it as face value, shouting with joy. Now, I know that's probably pretty hard for a lot of us to do. I'm basically an introvert myself. It's really hard for me to actually shout. I have a very quiet voice. But for me to shout would be pretty uncomfortable. But the scripture says, shout with joy. It says they're also to worship with gladness. And gladness is, I think the best way I can to, to tell you what it is, you know, gladness is another word that we use for joy, to rejoice, to be joyful. The best way to express that, I think, is to smile. When you come in with an attitude of gladness, you would be smiling, that your faces would light up. And oftentimes, you know, a lot of you can't see each other's faces, but when we preach, we get to see your faces. <laughs> And sometimes that's good, sometimes it's not so good. (laughs) But the scripture says here in Psalm 100 that you are to enter with gladness. And a lot of times when I'm watching your faces, I'm not sure if that's actually true. But the scripture tells us that if God is with you, that there will be a joy in spite of the circumstances around you. That as you enter into community and, and to come before the living God, you are to come with a spirit of gladness. And it should exemplify in some ways, and I know some of us, due to our, to our culture, a lot of us come with more of a placid look, a placid look. And, and, and that's, that's uh, not to, to, to be too ashamed about. But when we come here, just think about it. Think about expressing in some way, physically, a form of gladness, and, and I'm making a suggestion to come with smiling faces. 
And it says to sing songs, to have joyful songs. Now, a lot of you may be singing songs in your mind, but to sing means to open the mouth (laughs) and sound comes out of the vocal cords. And so I encourage you, if we follow the instructions that Psalm 100 tells us, we are to sing songs. It's not here to see a performance by musicians up here, but to sing songs of gladness and joy to God. We raise our voices, we make noise. And for those of us who are not comfortable with that, it's important that we help each other out. Psalm 100 is instructions not to individuals, or not just to individuals, it's actually to a community. It's corporate worship. As we come in, it is a group of people worshiping God together. They are making noise together. They are joyfully singing together. The analogy I like to use is whenever you make a fire, or when you start a barbecue, right, you light up the the charcoal. You don't put the pieces of charcoal separate from each other at at the farthest part uh, on the barbecue. You lump them all together into a pile, and then you light it up. And the reason you do that is that the fire then will be contagious. It can spread a lot faster that way when they're all touching together. And so when one cold lump, a cold lump of coal is sitting there, it soon becomes ignited by another one that's next to it that is hot. And so when we come into corporate worship together, some of us may not be as extroverted as others. And they need those who are a little bit more uh, external in their exhibit, exhibition of, of joyful worship to help those who are not. Because the warmth, the heat from one to another will be passed along. So those who may be a little bit more reserved can get excited from those who are not so reserved. We have to help each other when we come to, to, to service, to worship together. It's a community event, and everyone needs to help one another to do that. So my question as we, we, we think about how we worship, how we worship together, is your expression of joy too limited? Is it too private? Do you need more freedom to have more joyful worship and have a joyful life? Psalm 100, verse 4, tells us that our response should be to thank God and praise him, to have attitudes of thanksgiving and praise. And and in the context of this passage, the biblical context, when it's talking about um, giving thanks and having thanksgiving, when they had worship services, the people came to sing songs to God. They also came with sacrificial offerings. And and that was what they came to church for. And today, we don't do sacrifices here. We don't kill the fatted calf. We don't kill a, a lamb or sparrows or whatever. We bring financial offerings. And that's how we give thanks. And, and so today, a question in regarding to your offerings, in a moment we will be able to, to demonstrate that and participate in that part of worship, 
is my question is, is your generosity a reflection of your love of Jesus? Remember, I, I said there is proper and appropriate motivation to give. And my challenge is, is your giving a response to the, the love that you have received from Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for you? This morning, as part of our act of worship, and as a part of the end of our three-year sermon series on living simply and giving generously, we have an opportunity to come forward to, to drop off those compassion cubes that many of you have been um, having on your dining tables or, or, or places where they're visible. So today is the day we will bring them and present them to the Lord but also, besides the, those compassion cubes, if you have your tithes and your, your um, gift offerings, your checks, your, your money, you can come forward too. We're not going to be having the ushers go around with the, the offering bags this morning. But today, you can come forward and, and drop them off into this box that's on the table here too. This is... Um, something, if you read the Old Testament, that's what the people did in the celebration at services. They came forward and dropped the money um, at the, priest, at the foot of the, feet of the priest so that it could be used to, to, to feed the poor, to help, to help the, the marginalized. And today, we kind of, out of the exercise, we'll be able to kind of emulate that practice of coming forward and laying those gifts at the feet of the Lord. Even the new church did that uh, in, in Acts. You'll see that the people came and they sold their possessions and dropped off the money at the feet of the apostles to be used for the community's good. And today, there is some symbolism there, but it is also uh, a good reenactment of that kind of gesture of our generosity to come forward and come at the altar. So as we close this time and prepare for our time of, of generosity and giving, and giving, I want us to all stand. And as a part of our worship, is to recite Psalm 100 together. And may these words be words that are coming truly from your heart. And because we share these words together and expressing them to God, that God will be sitting in heaven looking down now and being pleased to what he is hearing. So Psalm 100, as we recite this together, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come with him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks for him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. For you are our God. You are our creator, our master. You are our shepherd. You love us. You have been faithful. You are a generous God. May we respond to you with faithfulness, thanksgiving, and praise. We thank you, Lord, 
And may you bless each person who comes forward and bless all who are present because we truly understand what it means to be broken but be made whole through the blood of Jesus. So I thank you in the most precious name of your son. Amen. I'd like to now turn it over to our board chair, Kevin Chin, who will give us further instructions about the rest of the morning. Thank you, Calvin. We're going to continue our um, celebration of God's goodness and grace for us through a discussion of what we've been doing as a church, as also as for our um, uh, recounting of our 2013 financial account and our proposed 2014 budget. So what I'd like to do at this point is for the members, we need you to stay here at least until we approve the minutes because that's the important part of the business that's in uh, or what we need to do. The meeting is open to all who would like to listen and to find out what's happening financially in the church. Uh, if you are not a member, you can participate by listening, observing, but not asking questions or commenting. Membership has its uh, benefits. <laughs> At this time, I'd like to present to you the board this year for 2013. Uh, we have Darlette Lynn over here. We have Rick Kwan. Rick, our, Rick is over here. And Leslie Kong. Leslie? Can I ask if you have all signed in? If you've signed in, then you have the, 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 um, the minutes from 2013. And so upon reviewing that, I'd like to ask for a motion to approve the thir- uh, 2013 minutes. Okay, uh, we have Ernie and uh, Eric, would you like to second? Okay, Eric is seconding it. Thank you. Uh, Can I have approval by the membership by show of hands? All approved? Okay, minutes of 2013 are approved. I'd like to share a little bit of uh, my assessment of CLC and what we've been doing through, through 2013. Uh, Doug, can I have you show show the uh, overhead? Now, I wanted to compare what we've been doing to our mission statement. And I don't know if you know this, but this is our mission statement for uh, for CLC. To make disciples who love God, love people, and to serve the world. And I really like this statement because it encapsulates who we are and what we do. I don't know if you've been around here 
10, 15 years, 20 years ago, but we've had several mission statements. The last one, I couldn't even figure out what they were talking about because they wanted to incorporate so many words into a few amount of space. And it's just like they were, they were blending words. This is very clear and very simple, and I really like this. But I wanted to compare what we've been doing through the year through our mission statement. So in the area of discipleship, we've seen a lot of growth, especially in areas of uh, women's ministry. Uh, my wife, Sharon, has been part of that, and many of you has as, as, as well. And I think that's a ministry that's going to really blossom in the next few years here at CLC. It's very exciting. We've also had a lot of one-on-one mentoring, and that's always been really encouraging. We have intergenerational community and fellowship. So in those areas of discipleship, I think have been really positive for last year. And how have we loved people within our church? Well, we've loved them by spending time with each other. Uh, Pastor Calvin often talks about we love to to eat together. And Holy Chow is one of the ways that we do that. But we also have church retreats, our home groups. We spend a lot of time with each other as well. Uh, We have had sacred space, gatherings, prayer, and worship. These are a lot of things that we do together as a community because we love God and we love each other. We have also shown our love and served the world outside our doors through serving the poor, through compassion events, through our eye screening, by giving generously through the Kingdom Fund and living simply and giving generously. So these are some of the ways that I think we've really encapsulated what our mission statement is. And I think we've done a really good job about that. I want to address one situation, and this is going to lead into the, um, into the accounting of, of 2013. But we've given so generously, and we've given above and beyond, I thought, my expectation, that we've actually lost sight a little bit about our home church. And through 2013, our giving has actually been below what was budgeted. And so, but by God's grace, Calvin, Pastor Calvin had said that we cannot outgive God. And in the last month, God was so faithful and so generous that through unexpected gifts, we actually met the budget at the, at the wire. So in all, God was really great And God was good to our family here at CLC. I think the big picture is that we fulfilled our mission statement. Our purpose here at CLC for fellowship, for serving and glorifying God. We are a thriving community. We're dynamic. And we are loving God's people. I think I'm confident in 2014 that we will continue to be faithful and to serve the Lord. I'd like to end uh, this statement or this uh, segment in prayer. Lord, thank you for CLC. I thank you for blessing us in so many ways and offering so many different ways that we can express our love and appreciation towards you uh, through our financial giving, through our our work, our service to our church here, to the 
cause of Christ. I thank you for your love and your love that you showed us through the giving of your son. And I pray that that will always be a motivation for all that we do, that we love you and we appreciate all that you do for us. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, we're going to, I'm going to turn this over to Darlette. And Darlette is going to give us an accounting of our 2013 uh, financial uh, statements and also for our proposed 2014 budget. I really want to thank her for all the work that she's done. I, for me, I look at the numbers and they, for some reason they blur together and I have no idea of how things work. And I'd also like to, to thank Gordon Wang because without these two, um, I'm not sure where we would be. <laughs> so thank you, Darlette, and I'll give this to you. Well, um, um, so for those of you who have this, it's the handout. You should take it out right now. It's a handout that was given to you with the minutes and with the um, four slides, financial slides. You might want to look at this while I speak. I wanted to very briefly um, touch upon our 2013 uh, results and our 2014 proposed financial budget. Um, overall, for 2013, if you're going to look at the first slide, it would be, um, it's labeled 2013 actual versus budget. It's the first financial slide. Are we able to get it up there? You don't have it. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay. So you can see for 2013, we did okay. We didn't do bad and we weren't winning the lottery. We did okay financially. Um, the number that most people are interested in is our contribution number that, that represents our donations. And that number is up at the top. It's 683592 So that was slightly above what we budgeted, and it was slightly above what um, 2012's contribution number was. Um, the other number that people tend to look at is our operating increase or decrease, and that came in at about $95,000. So we are in the green. We're positive for the year. Um, another number you might want to look at is um, the fact that our expenses um, came in a little bit under budget, um, partly due to our ministry expenses not um, spending as much as we had budgeted, and our salaries and benefits um, came in a little bit under, mainly due to the fact that we didn't hire um, some of the positions that we had budgeted for. Um, But one very noteworthy highlight of God working in our church and being represented from a financial perspective is if you go down to the ministry expansion fund amount, we gave away as a church $85,000. We budgeted to only give away $50,000, but due to um, what Calvin spoke about earlier, we the board increased the amount of matching to our home groups significantly. So we gave away a lot that we didn't budget it for, yet... God gave back to us in the amount of $95,491 in that operating increase. So we feel like that is a very um, specific way that God um, spoke to us. Our church faithfully gave, and through your giving, God faithfully provided back to us. So um, thank you for that. Um, That is me touching upon our 2013 results. And then just to turn the page, go to the 2014 budget. It has both a column for our 2014 budget and our 2013 actual. Um, This is our proposed 2014 budget for this year. Um, The number people look at is our contribution amount, which we have budgeted in at 
Um, most of you will, can see that that's pretty conservative, which is in line with what we do every year. Um, it's slightly below what we got this year. And then going down, we have a slight positive amount of an operating increase of 13477 um, Again, we are continuing to give through the Kingdom Fund. Um, and that is basically it. I wanted to keep it very brief. Are there any questions for me or anyone? Sure. So let me repeat your question just in case you didn't hear. Um, he's asking, and actually, let me find it. Um, under the 2013 budget, we budgeted for youth ministry. Are you, is this what you're asking? 6600 And um, the actual was more around 10000 So we spent more in the amount. So that amount came from our, um, we had not budgeted in our youth interns. <laughs> <laughs> Right back at you. <laughs> so that that actually completely accounts for that. Um, <laughs> any other questions? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I. Yes. Yeah, so that is not. I, that probably goes into January. Um, but as Kevin did note. Um, we are conservative in our contribution projections because we do have a big December. And so whenever the board looks at the numbers end of November, it's, it's close. <laughs> so this year in particular, we had a very a more than significant December, um, more than most Decembers. So that's kind of where we are very conservative in our contribution projections. Yes. That is a very good question. So what it includes is, and this is a little different from what we've done in past years, um, it includes what we are currently right now paying to our worship consultant, and that is above the line in um, worship, in the worship ministry number. But what I have not mentioned is down by the ministry expansion fund, so that's below the line. There's a $74,000 negative amount. Um, that includes the 50000 to the Kingdom Fund. It also includes a 24, or I'm sorry, yeah, a $24,000 amount, which we have allocated to hire the worship director. Now, the reason why it's below the line there, normally it would be above, is because the MEF fund, um, so part of its history is the board of directors allocated a portion of it to um, catalyze new ministries, to kind of jumpstart or, you know, um, and so that's why the board thought it was appropriate to put it down there. Now, of course, eventually when we hire a worship director in future years, it should come out of the um, worship ministry line in that expense. Is that too much accounting for most of you? Any other questions? Okay, so feel free to ask us anytime you have questions. This is um, public knowledge. Thank you very much for your attention.